Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you again for this moment that we share your word so that we can give thanks from our hearts, so that we can give thanks with reason. There is a way you told us to bring your thanks. You said we should give you reasons why we do this. I pray that this world we enter every hearer and grant us mercy to understand it. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, today we're talking about, you know, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Today being a day set apart for Thanksgiving. So we should talk about Thanksgiving. And our text is Psalm 34 from verse 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So it is wonderful that we have a day set apart all over this country to give thanks to God according to the founding fathers of this country. It was to give thanks to God for his goodness to this great nation. United States of America is the greatest nation on earth, greatest country on earth. A country where a middle-income earner lives a better life than high-end earners in many countries. You don't believe it, check what your colleagues are earning in Nigeria. Check what they're earning in Ghana. Check what doctors earn in Nigeria. Check what ASU strike, the salary they just gave to professors. Check what it is in dollar. We live in a country where the problem is we don't want to eat. There's too much to eat. Everybody is starving itself. I'm saying I'm cutting wheat. But in so many other countries, they don't have to eat. What they're doing is, can I find it to what? But here we're dumping food and we take it for granted. It's not like that all over the world. It's not like that all over the world. So this is a country that God has really immensely blessed. A country that has sent more missionaries than any nation in the world. America up to today sends majority of missionaries all over the world and sponsors church work all over the world. So many things this country is doing to help the poor all over the world. Those who, are, who don't have rights in their nations, they run here. They open their borders, bring them in, and help them become what God wants them to be. It's a great nation indeed. It's a nation where everybody has a right to say what they want to say. You have a right to be what you want to be. It's a blessed nation. Can I hear amen? So they set it apart to thank God for that. And then, you know, um, we also joined millions of people who are doing that today for so many things that were benefited. Think about life. We take life for granted until your life is threatened. You know, the greatest need of man is life. In, in the job I do, in my profession as a pastor, I get called 
when things are really bad. I know when I sit in a meeting with doctors, and sometimes the doctors are looking up to you to know what you want to say, because what is here, they know they can handle. Everybody is an age. There are surgeries I've been invited, and I've been called in to discuss, and everybody's looking at what does pastor have to say, because life is at stake right here. Chances is 50-50. No much hope here. I think I went to daddy, one time I went with daddy to one of the, my hospital visits. It's only ICUs. And when kind of daddy said, wow, pastor, nobody knows what to do. I was there one time in New York seeing somebody. And the lady said to me, he said, pastor, I wish I can get up and use the restroom by myself. I wish I can just do that. I just can't. I almost cried. Life is what we take for granted until your life is threatened, until you have news that this life is about to go. Then depression sets in. But that's what we have. We have life. We have health. We get sick and God hears us. We go to hospital, God heals us. You are in a nation that has the best medical uh, facility you can find anywhere in the world. Best professionals. I respect the doctors. I respect nurses. I respect healthcare workers. They are wonderful people. My people, God uses them every day to save lives. Don't let the devil stop you from going to a hospital if you want to go. God will still use them to help you. But if your faith has grown where you can stand on the word of God, God can still use his word to heal you. Everybody according to the measure of faith he has. But going to a hospital is not a bad idea. If you need to go, please. If I, want, if I, have, if I need to go, I'll go. If I need to go tomorrow, I'll go. So going is not a bad idea. God will use them to help you. But... It's a wonderful country we live in. Medical facility, it's, it's amazing what medical facilities can do in this country. For even the common man, it's available. And I go to do my workout, where I do my workout every morning, go and do my mile, and then my distance I do. Such a place, where I come from, such a place will be reserved for rich men. Be open for everybody. If you want to go, you... You know, so we have all such wonderful things to thank God for. And we take these things for granted until they are being taken away from you. Until you get this terrible news that when they call pastor, they told me I have so, so, so. And it's like, this light is going down. So we have a lot to thank God for. Think of your family. Think of your wife, your children. Think of what God has endowed you with. We sing it. We have a reason to what? Praise the Lord. But to us believers, there's another value that we have to thank God for. And that is for life, too. But this life is the higher life. 
that Christ gave us eternal life, that we received great salvation from the Lord. These are blessings that have eternal value. Do you know that your salvation has put you beyond the reach of death? Death can no more touch you. The Bible says that even if you die, you live. Because the life you have with Christ can die. It's an eternal life. Because you are joined with Christ Jesus, death no more can touch you. The body can die, but the spirit will live. Can I hear amen? And it's living with God forever. We receive the blessings, all the blessings of heaven, right here on earth. So to us, we have something of higher value for which we are also grateful to God today. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says to the church in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Which agrees with what David said, that I will give thanks always. His praise will continually, what? Be in my mouth. We have received so much from Jesus. First John 1.16 says, for out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another. One grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, living favor upon favor and gift, heaped upon gift. We should always be grateful to God for this. And David knew this, you know, because we should thank God and give God reason. Somebody said he was praising God and giving God thanks, and the Lord said to him, why are you thanking me? And the boy said, I didn't even have one thing to say. <laughs> I mean, the scripture said we should praise him with, with, with uh, what? Understanding. You should bring your reason. The scripture said, bring your reason, bring your case. If you are saying, I'm thanking you, God wants to know for what you are thanking him. Because you may not know what he did for you. You may be doing follow, follow. So David knew. David went to God and said, I want to thank you for this, 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 this. In Psalm 103, we read, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, verse 2. Bless the Lord, Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He didn't just say, bless the Lord and bless the Lord. He said, no, I will not forget what you did for me. And he began to enumerate them. That's what makes your thanksgiving meaningful. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the ego? So having said all this about giving thanks, as simple as it looks, we may not always be thankful. Let's be real. That's why we murmur. That's why we complain. That's why we find fault. We may not always be disposed to giving thanks. Naturally, we see what people did to us more than we see what people did for us. We see what they did to us, what they did to me, more than what they did for us. 
naturally. It's easy to forget what people have done for you, and it's easy to remember what they did to you. That's the natural disposition of man. It is the old life. It is the loveless, selfish old nature that was crucified with Christ. But we let it sometimes dominate us because we don't understand that we are no more that person. So this is what God said to Israel because of God knows us. In Deuteronomy 8, 11, God says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgment and his status, which I command thee this day, 12, lest when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, therein, verse 13, and when thy hands, thy herds and thy flocks multiply, you have a good job now, Money is flowing, dollar is flowing, mortgage is going, you have your, me, you're expanding, you're expanding. People, let's be real. It's not always easy to remember God's goodness. Things are working out fine. You have built goodly houses and dwell therein, and when their hearts and their flocks multiply, and thy silver and, the, and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God. Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage? Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein we are where fairy serpents and scorpions and drought, drought, where there was no water. Who brought thee from forth? Who brought thee forth? Water out of the rock of flint. Verse 16. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy father knew not, that he might humble thee, that, thy might, that he might prove thee to, to do the good at thy later end. And thou say in thy heart, my power, the, the might of my hand has gotten this for me. I'm, I'm living an American dream. I'm smart. It's my college degree. It's my qualification. It's my hand. Easy. Very easy. God said, I know you people. And we live at a time when unthankfulness and ingratitude is the mainstream. Second Timothy 3. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. God calls it perilous, dangerous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. (laughs) Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful. 
unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. This is not what's happening today. The things that, we, that were valued some years ago has become taboo. You can't even mention them. You can't even say you have a man, God created a man and a woman, you lose your job. You lose your job. There is, you can't find a bank in America that will give loan to a church. They won't give you loan. They say, we don't like the way you collect money. When we wanted to take 2.2 million, we went to all the banks, they kicked us out. They said, man, your financial business is good, it's awesome. They said, man, how do people raise this money? And <laughs> still I tell them, this pastor doesn't know about fundraising. So the does this money come and says, God, they say, well, we don't understand it. They didn't give us loan. <laughs> Until we found a Christian union that was set up to give loan to churches. That's the world in which we live now. The power brokers, the money brokers, working with the, the, the mammon of unrighteousness, they are up in arms against Christ and his kingdom. But the gates of hell will never prevail. Unthankful. Shake the society in which we live. Everybody is offended. If you say good morning, bro, careful, they say you offended me. I, I, I learned that if you write something in capital letters, people get offended. You have to write in small letters. Everybody is offended by one thing or the other. If you call somebody he, 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 he's offended. You say, call me Z. I'm not he, I'm Z. It's crazy. But it's happening. And the Bible says so. I mean, you can't, you can't see these things and not know how accurate the Bible is. It describes this time in details. There's no sacredness, even in Pentecostal circles, no sacredness in it. God says so. They will hold nothing as sacred. So that even now puts fire on the natural tendency of man to forget the good some God did, the good people did. Check the people you've been helping in the village. If you are not sending money up for six months, go and find what they're saying. And the thing that causes it is this pride of life, where a man thinks he has arrived. He doesn't need God. He doesn't need God. People have seen things so. <laughs> I've seen desperation. I've been called to hospital twice a day. I've been called 12 midnight. I just left by 10 p.m. Getting home to eat. I, didn't, I was called to come back. I've seen desperation. Man is nothing. This human life. Pride of life. It's easy to say, oh, today is Thanksgiving. We may not really be giving Thanksgiving, thanksgiving from our heart. Maybe doing it because today is 25th. 
Majority of people think it's the day to eat turkey. What, what, why should they be thankful to God for what? You know, in the time of Jesus, Jesus said something about this world in which we live. Matthew eleven sixteen, He said, well, to what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends. We played wedding songs, you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs, and you don't mourn. Too difficult to please. You do this one, they find fault. You do this one, they find fault. Jesus said, this is the generation which we live. Too difficult to please. Always looking for fault. Always searching for what is wrong. Is that the spirit of God? As Christians, we shouldn't live that kind of life. You see, what helps us to really be thankful from the heart is to live the new life, this, the life of Christ. The flesh will not be thankful. It's not going to be thankful. It's this new life. What helps us is Romans 12 from verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because, all, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world that is unthankful, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you want to really give God thanks from the heart, you have to live this sweet life. Only that sweet life will appreciate the things that God does. The carnal man will not appreciate it. People, don't worry, will come to church and sing. The Kanaman, Kanaman, does not see the things of God. And we can set aside this old nature thing. We can set this aside. I read the scripture, I was studying, I read the scripture, and the Lord told me, he said, did, I, did you notice I didn't tell you to pray about it? I told you to do it. I said, yeah, that's what he said, because you have my divine nature, you have my ability. You can do all things. He said the problem is not in ability to do. The problem is on willingness to do. Hebrew 12, 1. That's where I was studying. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the light. The light makes you see where you're going. Keeping our eyes on Jesus from where our faith comes. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You want to be thankful? You need, to, you need to lay aside 
all this work of the flesh. People, God told me, said, I didn't say they are pray to me. I told you, do it. He said, I didn't mention in that verse, come and pray. He said, no, no. I told you to what? Let us say. Why? I have given you the strength to do that. You are now joined to my spirit. You are strong enough to do that. And you can do all this. He said, if you are not doing it, it's because you don't want to. Period. We should, we should listen to scripture. We cheat ourselves so much when we walk in carnality. Because carnal things will limit you spiritually, severely. And if you engage in severe spiritual battles, God help you. Oh, God help you. You know all this pomposity, all this pride of life, all this I am can they can they want, you know, all this I'm, I'm <laughs> it's not the new life. Christ came here and made himself of no reputation. And he's God. That's the life we received. The new life is not greedy, it's humble. Romans 6 11. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually, 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 continually view yourselves as dead and non-responsive to sin's appeal. Continually see yourself as non-responsive to pride, to all this culture of this world. You must see yourself as non-responsive to those things. You must believe that. Christianity is not a struggle. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a human power thing. Jesus is the initiator of your faith and the completer of your faith. See yourself unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily, while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Christ, the anointed one. See yourself united with Jesus Christ. It's what you see you possess. God brought Abraham out and said, see. Abraham, see. Abraham saw and believed. Before then, he couldn't. He said, one day, if God gives me a opportunity, I teach you how God taught Abraham faith. God taught him faith, practical. See yourself. People, if you see yourself poor, you will end up being poor. Nothing will change it. If you see yourself this, what you see is what? What you see. If you see yourself dying, you die. If you see yourself healed, you live. It's a spiritual law. You remember Jacob and uh, Jacob and his father-in-law? What? Is that Jacob? No, no, not Jacob. Yeah, Jacob and the father-in-law. When, when they were raising cattle. The man knew this principle and took all those cattle and made something for them to see they were producing after that kind. It was God that revealed it to him. Praise the Lord. 
The Bible describes you and me as the aroma of Christ. Join, it says, see yourself, join with him. Stop all the struggle trying to do, the, trying to be good. No, no, see, when you see, you become. Seeing becomes. Second Corinthians 2.15, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? We are the fragrance of Jesus. You are the fragrance of Jesus. Somebody came into my office and I said, hey, I like this, your perfume. I said, Pastor, I buy it for you. Before I could say Jack Robinson, he went the following day and brought it. And I, pium, pium, pium. And I met him from days after. I said, smell. Mm, he said, Pastor, mm, that fragrance is there. I don't need to do anything for it to come. Christ is there. Can I hear amen? If you let him, if you see yourself, join with him. If you let him, if you believe what he says, that fragrance will be coming. People will smell it. What the fragrance of Christ. That fragrance will include being thankful, being humble, being loving, being caring, being, making yourself nothing. You enjoy it. Number two thing I want to tell us is that thanksgiving is a great statement of faith. Okay, Lord, I'll go there. Colossians 2, 1, 9 to 10. Colossians 1, 9 to 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding why. When you have these revelations of this truth, say then the way you live will always honor and please God. For without faith, it's impossible. Impossible to please God. It is practically impossible. You can't. It is this revelation of this truth, this truth, this, this thing, this truth, that when you know it, you believe it, then the way you live will start pleasing God because those things will key in and start manifesting in your life. What we need is knowledge. It's not, too much, it's not more effort. It's more knowledge. And if you read the scripture, you find that the most prayer that the Spirit of God put there is that God will open our eyes, that God will give us revelation, that God will give us understanding, that we know the truth. That's the most prayer, all of that New Testament that the Holy Spirit put down there. Because if you know the truth, the truth will now set you free. But if you don't know it, you are ignorant of it, and my people will be destroyed for lack of uh, So number two I want to say to us is situations that challenge your faith. Thanksgiving is a great statement of faith in God's ability to see you through and put you over things. I want you to hear me. Let me I want to say something very important. If you are right and not right, just look up. See, in this life in which you and I live, Winds of fear come. It can be very strong sometimes. 
winds of unbelief and doubt, they blow our way. It blows my way, it blows your way. And that's demonic. And how does it blow? It blows by him making things worse. When you are standing on the wall, things go south. It's a strong wind that challenges your faith. It's, it's blowing in your faith and saying, it's not working. It comes up. But one of the things you do at that time is to go back to your, you know what the doctors do? When they say this medicine is not working, they increase the dosage. Right? Sometimes they change the medicine. You go back to your word of God and increase your meditation on it. Make sure that the scripture you are meditating on is adequate for that situation. And then you begin to lift up your hands of praise and worship. You will counteract that thing with fierce resistance. It will blow back immediately. It won't stand. I'm telling you. Do you know that Jesus faced it? Jesus, they told him, your friend is sick. He said, this sickness is not what? <laughs> it's not what? But for the man died. If it's you, you have said it's not until death. And here they come and the man died and smelling. What will you say? God, this is not, it's not working, oh, and I said it, oh, what would they think about me, oh, and I'm the son of God, oh. That's a wind of strong attack of, of, of the devil coming to, to attack his faith and his, his faith in what he said. It was a strong wind of, of attack of, brethren, he was attacked like us. I'm not kidding you. It was coming, it was something that you face it, it's like this is not working. What did he do? You know, at that time, that's when we call for more people to pray, right? He didn't do that. Look at John eleven forty one. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, Remember, I'm your son here. Please, don't let me be put to shame. Please, let your power come. He has said something. He has what? He's not changing his stand. He lifted up and said to the father, I thank thee. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's how you can tarak the thing. Boom. You can't take away my thanksgiving. You can't take away my testimony. People, it's a battle of testimony. I'm not kidding you. It's a battle of testimony. Whose report? I thank thee that thou hast had me. Oh, but the man is dead. But the man is smelling. Sure, we don't walk by sight. We said it in the name of the Lord. It stands. That's why many people get defeated. And I know that they hearing me always. But because of these people, <laughs> somebody shout hallelujah. 
this thing blows to us. It's the way the devil walks. Jesus said to, to Peter, come. The man stepped and walked on water and the devil said, really? And he increased the storm. Peter looked at the storm. Took his eyes off of Jesus. Did you think that Jesus will invite him to die? He took his eyes off of Jesus because that's what the devil does right time. He increases the storm. So you will say it's not working and your testimony is what you get. And Peter said, I'm, I'm dead. I'm finished here. I started sinking. Thanksgiving is a weapon. Praise is a powerful weapon. In the midst, when you are hit with that kind of situation, remember it, you are not the only one. You, you charge back. You charge into the midst of the enemy with praise in your mouth. Here you come with the light of the world and say, it is written, it is written, where I stand, I stand, my testimony is here, and they will pack their things. Leave it. Did, did Lazarus leave? Did you know he didn't pray? He said, Lazarus, I say this, this is not, it's not until late. My friend, come out of from there. He spoke to him like somebody leaving. He didn't speak to him like a dead man. When he said to them, he said, that girl is not dead. They, they were laughing at him. When he got there, the Bible said, he said, little girl, get up. What I said is what I said, you are not dead. Are you following me? The last thing I want to share with you. John 6, verse 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. It was time to praise God. Philip replied, even if we walked four months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Verse 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Only God knows the number of women. Then verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves, called the disciples, and said, let us storm heaven. A miracle mistake. Stop looking at me like that. Is it not what you do? Then we we'll make this religious feast. And God is saying, what are you doing? <laughs> is that what will make me answer? Yeah. But then pray, 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 pray. Can we learn the ways of God? Do you know that before you ask, the answer is there? He said, before you finish speaking, I have what? The Bible says Jesus knew what he would do. Then, verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and sat down, gave it to them, didn't do anything further. 
That's faith. He stepped back. God took over. He wasn't going to say, check whether Lord thank. Give thanks. The Lord has sufficiency. The Lord that provides all. He gives thanks. Give thanks. And the Father rose in glory and said, That's who I am. I will supply all your what? Needs. Everything. The, thing, the bread was bread, was water, was everything. Do you know that praise has been used for battles all through scriptures? If you read that of, uh, in Chronicles 20, you see Jehoshaphat went to battle with praise. That's what I was telling us here, that you can lift up your faith in praise. You can lift up the word of God in praise. You can lift up the testimony you have in praise and bounce back and put the enemy to wrong. But today, we're here to thank God for all he has done for us. Can I hear amen? Are you ready to thank God? We will. Father, we just want to thank you. Pray that you start us up to give you thanks from our hearts. Let us go home with this message. For there are battles we need to engage in. And we must overcome. We must win. We owe it to you. We owe it to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray.